welcome to another episode of writer and geek show we are your hosts vishnu and shankar and today we're going to again continue with the colonialism in india series yeah it feels like it's never going to stop this is like the uh, 1000 arabian nights kind of a deal i think yeah when i started i thought it'll be like a 10 episode series we are already on the 9th episode and i don't see like an end to it so probably this will continue to be a you know major fixture in <laughs> writer and geeks series and i have been getting some feedback yeah. about the series as well um, in the sense that there are people who are who are generally not interested in, in history and stuff right uh but ever since we have started the series they have uh, you know they have a new found interest in history and indian colonialism and all that kind of stuff wow i thought you know probably people who have interest in history they would just run away from it after listening to our episodes but mm-hmm. but this is just a pleasant surprise for me yeah another pleasant surprise i think uh, i just want to give a shout out okay uh, so i think you sent me this from cashbox we had a feedback on one of the episodes that we had released in July it was uh, i think the 86th episode which was part 5 of the series um, french occupation right yeah and i remember i spoke at length about how there are certain people in earlier french occupied uh, union territories who are still getting pension and i was not sure if that is that practice is still continuing today so we had a comment on cashbox uh, from wengsh I don't know if that is his real name uh it is his username anyway but you know who you are right so this is a comment um thank you shankar and vishnu for the episode um you're welcome i am from karaikal could relate to all the things you guys discussed yes french government still gives pension to some people those are french citizens living in india my grandma also was getting pension as she was french citizen half of my family holds french citizenship because they were born during the french ruling period also the government increased the price of liquor and petrol during this lockdown period big thanks to writer and geek show so thank you so much first of all for listening and taking time to comment we really appreciate it and we would le- love to hear such feedbacks you know have conversations and stuff so for that whenever we visit karaikal after the stupid lockdown uh, we'll meet up for a coffee and uh, we'll try to pay for it as yeah. well <laughs> so as well okay yeah so um other than that the information that he's provided right there are french citizens still existing in uh, uh, french occupied area this is specifically karaikal is part of pondicherry uh, although there is a physical distance between uh, the two places so it is even south of uh, pondicherry but there are still people who are getting french pension to this day yeah to be honest when we were recording that episode and uh, you talked about this uh, pension thing i was kind of skeptical about it mm-hmm. wondering if it's still there or or how much truth is in there like that's pretty much you know uh, <laughs> now we are not just another podcast we actually talk about you know the facts yeah, and right. figures and so so thanks again for yeah yeah so thanks again for this uh, feedback we'll uh, look forward to hearing more on the upcoming episodes as well So yeah just wanted to give a shout out and start off the episode by uh, solidifying our uh, our roles as bring uh, historians and stuff like that <laughs> pretty happy now yeah, yeah so uh, so last time we stopped right before the revolt of 1857 i think it's one of the chapters in history that we have learnt a lot in school right whenever we talk about indian history this the revolt of 1857 gets a lot of uh, importance it's very significant and uh, 
all the teachers would be like you know this is one thing you should know about so yeah. and uh, i think even though the zentar uh, freedom movement technically starts from uh, battle of plassey i think the event that is more etched in our minds and has more significance is probably uh, the revolt of 80, 1857 yeah that's true because uh, because even though the battle of plassey did make some impact uh, the british were like victorious in like a scale which was never imagined before it was actually a good thing for britishers because mm. they realized that they can defeat the indian princely states and also like other colonial empire who are uh, you know setting their tent in india so, yeah so that event actually transformed uh, this from just a trading mission to that of a conquest yeah. that is what happened yeah but the thing is like when it comes to the revolt of 1857 it actually helped indians because we figured out okay if we stand together there is some kind of impact which we can make so this revolt of 1857 that's not the only name given to this uh, this uh, battle it's also called the sepoy mutiny sepoy is an english uh, modification of an indian word sepai i think yeah uh, sepoy means private i think the rank is private yeah the lowest i think yeah. the that is where you begin in an arm, in in army right yeah. the moment yeah. you join that yeah. you become a sepoy yeah and it's known as the indian mutiny the great rebellion the indian insurrection uh, and india's first war of independence mm. but uh, if you think about it it happened in 1857 but it took another 90 years for india to get complete independ- yeah, independence yeah to be honest it was not india at that time again right uh, that's also mm-hmm. one thing so when we talk about the revolt of 1857 the causes of revolt of 1857 the one thing that we always uh, have in our mind is the pig and cow grease laced cartridges which the sepoys have to open with their teeth so this was against the customs of uh, hindus and muslims mm-hmm. they found it to be haram yeah for hindus specifically because they considered cow to be uh, they worshiped cow cows and they still do uh, for muslims uh, pigs are haram so that is the reason they were so much against using the cartridges yeah so whenever we are taught about the revolt this is said to be the cause but yeah. the thing is like it's not just this the it it was actually the 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 culmination of a lot of lot of factors uh, over the years of british rule in india starting from you know uh, the way they treated the sepoys then uh, political causes which which are like you know subsidiary alliance the doctrine mm. of lapse so uh, we'll just talk about what are the causes like the political causes were doctrine of lapse which was uh, brought on by lord dalhousie yeah. uh, which stated that uh, they have the power to like annex a princely state if the ruler dies without an heir or like if the person they have adopted uh, does not fit the bill to be a ruler and then uh, the second thing was like which was related to doctrine of lapse when bajirao second died the britishers they said that nana sahib who was actually adopted by bajirao second um like he is not capable to be a ruler and they they what they did was like they took away nana sahib's pension mm-hmm. then uh, another uh, reason was like like uh, they found rani lakshmi bai not fit to rule jhansi so nana sahib was uh, one of the fighters who fought with rani lakshmi bai right Uh, at least they were yeah they, they were fighting other, right? yeah they it was tantia tope who ah, was like yes, fighting yes, with correct. rani lakshmi bai so lakshmi bai was fighting in jansi then she got defeated she went to gwalior from there they fought together mm. so it was not exactly nana sahib the fighting was done by tantia tope 
is it tantia tope or tope i think it's tantia tope maybe yeah so he was the one who was actually actively fighting right. in the battlefield so i remember these names yeah and uh, britishers they also thought about you know abolishing the mughal empire mm-hmm. once uh, bahadur shah too dies bahadur yeah i think he was the last ruler he was the last ruler then coming to the economical causes india was turned into a colonial economy by british whatever they make whatever we produce everything was taken away by the britishers for their own benefit then uh, they imposed high taxes they evicted people from their land to acquire it and exit then there were like lot of discriminatory practices uh, put on by the britishers and also they destroyed the traditional handcrafts like like in one of the talks uh, which dr shashi tarur gave he was talking about how the britisher they cut the thumbs mm. of the you know the traditional hand weavers and so that they cannot yeah, do it so yeah so they cannot produce any more hand hand you know traditional handicrafts mm. so yeah this these are the economical causes so because of that they were not able to produce this they had to like resort to like you know farming indigo and uh, get away from their traditional craft then uh, social and religious causes so there were like a lot of practices which indians used to involve that was actually very questionable like sati infanticide then yeah. you know um, not letting a widow marry again mm-hmm. and uh, what the britishers uh, did was like they came in they were like you know this is all bs mm-hmm. we should stop this and you know reform the way people lived and raja ram mohan roy if you know he he was one of the person who helped abolish sati in india but the the culture the traditional people over here they didn't like it because that's how they used to live and whenever there is a change people don't like it right right and then the work of christian missionaries they came to india they tried to impose christianity in india and uh, they rewrote some of the hindu law of property to accommodate conversion to christianity mm-hmm. then the other reason was that the introduction of english education like uh, we were accustomed with hindi persian and urdu whichever language uh, that spoken yeah, over here yeah regional language yeah and some foreigners coming here and you know forcing people to learn a new language that's not going to work that easily so these were the social causes then the military causes were that the indian soldiers were considered inferior mm. the same way the citizens were considered inferior indian soldiers were also considered inferior i think they were not allowed beyond a particular rank yeah right? like even if they are allowed to like go go to different ranks like you know higher ranks no matter what the rank of a britisher is even if the britisher is just a private mm-hmm. the highest rank indian would be treated as someone inferior to that person <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> and most of the high high even there is like very less chance for an indian to make it to those right. high ranks because most of the high ranks in army were exclusively you know given reserved reserve for them. the for the english army men and uh, they also did this one thing where they used to like send indian army men to other you know other countries overseas mm. and it's a tradition in india i think it's a hindu hindu tradition where uh, going abroad is treated to be a sin oh yeah it, it's that? yes it is actually something like that you know it uh, when you travel abroad it's considered that you're not pure anymore you become dirty you have to go to ganga and dip yourself <laughs> probably but the thing is like it's considered to be a sin 
because I you're not pure anymore. I think that might be anymore. the reason you have you would have seen in some of the movies where um, these aunties and uncles who are living in London and all they are they have a bottle of Ganga jal with them, right? Oh my god! So since they are impure all the time, maybe yeah. that Ganga jal is helping them. If they are feeling so bad about being in another just country, just come back. Just, just come back, right? I don't understand. Yeah, so this is one reason, and also when they send these uh, Indians overseas, right? uh they don't give them extra allowance like if you if they are sending a british army men to like burma rangoon wherever they would get allowances extra salary and all that because they are doing extra work they are mm-hmm. traveling a lot and all that but when it came to sending indians abroad they used to get the same salary that they get here in india so this all irked the indians and uh, the immediate cause which is of course the cow and uh, pig grease filled uh, cartridges resulted in uh, this army personnel called mangal pande a sepoy on 29th march of 1857 mm-hmm. he uh, when they were on a parade he killed his superiors i have not watched the movie actually same here and i i don't think i will be able to like sit through it now because it's mm. is it as long as lagan i'm not sure but i think it's at least two and a half hours which i don't think i'll be able to fathom mm-hmm. so um Mangal Pandey he did this in uh, Barakpur Bengal so this resulted in a chain reaction where a lot of individual mutinies started popping up everywhere in north india for example it spread to Bharampur on 24th april 1857 where, where uh, there were the set of 90 cavalry men they were like they straight forward like refused to you know use the, those cartridges they started revolting then on 10th may 1857 in meerut again a set of uh, sepoys they killed their superiors and st- they started marching towards delhi on 12th of may bahadur shah this is like a timeline of whatever happened so on 12th of may bahadur shah was proclaimed to be the emperor of india mm. he was freaking 81 yeah and uh, that is the first time i think anyone had the concept of this india as such yes that that's the first time yeah. so uh, Yeah one of the major you know impact of this war this battle was that it kind of unified the people in india so that means the first emperor of india was bahadur shah yeah right? bahadur shah although we cannot call it free india yeah bahadur mm-hmm. shah the second so even though he was uh, proclaimed as the emperor it was actually bakht khan who mm-hmm. was actually leading the revolt he was born to a princess from awadh and a dad who was from rohila and uh, even though bahadur shah was the emperor he used to be the one who was handling the uh, the whole of the revolt i then, don't expect him to go to fight battles at 81 i know right so then uh, nana saheb he led the troops in uh, kanpur he proclaimed himself to the to be the peshwa and the governor of the region but it was actually his assistant you know his right hand man tantia tope who was actually doing most of the battle Yeah, I think Tantia Tope was more like a general. Yeah, he was a well-known general, even though kind of yeah, guy. in the field kind of a guy. But the thing is, like, even though uh, the Indians lack resources and gunpowder, you know, there, there's no like uh, much of uh, guns that is used by Indians, right? This person was known for his tactics. Mm. He was actually a good general, it seems. Like everywhere you read, you'll hear hear about whatever he has done. I think there was one lesson about Rani Lakshmi Bai in Hindi. Uh, I don't remember which class. And Tantya Tope was one of the central characters in that. He he is he is because they fought together. And in Lucknow, Hazrat Mahal, the the Begum of Awadh, 
led the revolt and she proclaimed everyone was like you know proclaiming something or the other she proclaimed her son uh, bridges khadar mm-hmm. as the nawab of awadh so but these are not these are just proclamations right nobody is recognizing these things right See, especially the british yeah british they are not recognizing anything these guys are doing this just to you know just it is like yeah. an act of declaration of war yeah 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 like they are they are just revolting against the british empire and and these people are pledging their allegiance to bahadur shah is it bahadur shah okay. yeah that's what like whoever is revolting there with them mm-hmm. and then in uh, yeah in lucknow is where uh, this uh, resident british resident sir henry montgomery lawrence was fighting do you know who who this guy is have we discussed about him earlier i don't think so but do you know lawrence school lovedale a, that ooty school right yeah ha uh, yes so henry lawrence is the one who actually oh. uh, he started the school for the widows of army men uh, yeah, their yeah. kids and all that yeah right? he started it with the idea of you know teaching uh, kids of those britishers who are living in india but later on it's changed to a thing where uh, it's you know officially for like the widows uh, the kids of the widows mm-hmm. who are living in india and is this the school which is shown in that notebook movie yeah in malayalam movie yeah. not the not the hollywood notebook yeah so uh, yeah i remember watching that movie and thinking like oh my god what kind of school is this right. i wish i could you know study there <laughs> so yeah that's that's why i pointed out this uh, person yeah. and he's like, he's gone all the way to lucknow to fight a battle yeah he was living there okay the idea was that he wanted to set up schools in hill stations mm. across india and lawrence lovedale is not the only one right there is one in uh, santavar i think it's in himachal pradesh and then there is another one there was another one in uh, rajasthan but it rajasthan doesn't has yeah, mount abu oh, mount okay. abu but it doesn't exist anymore then another one is there in pakistan mm-hmm. so there were like four schools we don't exists. know if that exists or not because pakistan one exists okay. it it exists so this guy uh, he was fighting in lucknow and uh, and during the siege of lucknow by the mutineers he died then there was rani lakshmi bai we've heard a lot about her and then even kangana ranaut portrayed her <laughs> in one of the movies <laughs> i would like to remember rani lakshmi bai the way it was in that hindi lesson <laughs> yeah same here she had a bitter battle at first where she was defeated in jhansi and she moved to gwalior hmm. and then she started fighting uh, she captured gwalior with uh, tantia tope so they did taste a little bit of defeat and then success after that and in bareilly khan bahadur khan rohila hmm. he led the revolt against the britishers and he proclaimed himself as the nawab wonderful <laughs> so uh, just a little bit of tracking back to that places jhansi and gwalior and all that right um i remember when we used to go to delhi by train um when you're passing through madhya pradesh so after you you cross bhopal there is a place then comes jhansi i think jhansi is around 7 hours from delhi or something then comes gwalior right then comes sagra mathura and all that the interesting thing is because of the geography of india uh, bhopal which is in madhya pradesh you cross bhopal and enter jhansi which is in uttar pradesh then you cross into gwalior which is again in madhya pradesh and then you reach agra which is again in uttar pradesh so for nothing we just travel through like three states <laughs> and there is a play, and the train even touches rajasthan somewhere oh yeah like yeah, a few yeah, yeah. Then, then there is chambal right i don't know where chambal is, is in madhya pradesh madhya pradesh yeah. right yeah so i remember i think it is chambal is somewhere after gwalior and before agra i think or maybe between jhansi and gwalior i don't really it's know. an eerie 
place, right? Whenever we go through that place, not the train anymore, slows. Though. Yeah, it used to be. I'm talking about. They flattened it completely, yeah. I think. So sad. But it used to be a eerie place because there are a lot of these small hillocks. Decoids. And uh, train used to slow down a lot. And I I think Fulan Devi's yeah. area. Right? A lot of decoids used to live there. Hmm. So yeah, it's very, it used to be very eerie when you go there. Like the, the train used to slow down and you'll be like, okay, some shit is going to go down right yeah. now. So, so what I'm trying to say is when I used to, lo- when we used to learn these stories in our school, right? Whenever we used to go to Delhi, I used to remember, okay, this is Jhansi where this happened and Gwalior where this happened. Then you cross into Agra where you have a lot of Mughal history. Then you reach Mathura, which has a prominent place in Indian mythology and Hindu beliefs and stuff like that. So if you go to North India, actually, if you go on a, not the traditional pilgrimage, I, when I say pilgrimage, my, for me, pilgrimage is more about seeing historical places, right? There are a lot of things to see there. Um, like Mughals have left a great deal of architecture in uh, North India. And, you know, if anyone is interested, you should visit all those. Yeah. So talking about Jansi, I st- I still remember, vividly remember, just waiting to reach that station because of its historical importance. You don't see anything, just yeah, the railway station, but we like, yeah. And then there was Banaras, Allahabad, Nasirabad, Indore, Aligarh and Kota where uh, mutineers revolted and they killed their superiors. And there were like a lot of atrocities which used to happen there. They used to kill everyone and uh, they burned land records. They plundered the treasury. There was a lot of rape and stuff also happening. That's what they're saying. But the thing was like, this was like a highly localized battle. Hmm. And Bahadur Shah being old, he was not able to make much of an impact. And then the Britishers, they fought back. They suppressed the revolt soon enough. Then Bahadur Shah was arrested. He was tried. He was arrested in Humayun's tomb. That is in Delhi, right? Yeah. Yeah. And he was... I think it's pretty close to the railway station. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember going there in 2005. Hmm. It's a pretty peaceful place. Hmm. You can go inside also, not like Taj Mahal. I have been inside Taj Mahal. There was a time when they used to let you inside. And I remember distinctly even seeing the original tombs of Shah Jahan and Mumtaz. They don't because let you go there anymore. If you go inside Taj Mahal on the... Ground level, you see a replica of the tomb, and then there is a staircase which takes you to an underground chamber. That is where the actual bodies are, you know, buried. Yeah, but uh, Humayun's tomb is just, you know, the tomb is there. You can go inside, you can see the burial place. It's pretty peaceful. Yeah, so he was um, captured in, at in Humayun's tomb, and then tried, and he was deported to Rangoon, where he died in. 1862 that so the traces of Mughal Empire went with him and uh, they captured Delhi in 20th September 1857 under the leadership of this general called John Nicholson then General Havelock defeated the rebels in Kanpur uh, yeah which includes Nana Sahib Mm. then after his defeat Nana Sahib he he didn't uh, surrender he escaped to Nepal Nepal was independent all the while is it I think Nepal was nobody under had co- conquered Nepal at all. But I, I, I feel that it was under the British Empire for some time, at least some time. Mm, because I, I don't know. Yeah, something for some other day. We'll research and get back to you. <laughs> then uh, this general called Hugh Henry Rose. He suppressed the revolt in Jhansi, and Rani Lakshmi Bai was killed in the battlefield. Mm. Then slowly, Banaras, Bareilly, and Gwalior was also captured by the Britishers. So when you look at it. This is a battle which made a lot of impact, but uh, the ultimate failure, it it was meant to be a failure because, uh, 
you know there were like a lot of factors including it was highly localized mm. there was no organization between the leaders to like you know come together and fight against the britishers so if small small things pop up now and then it's easy for the britishers to defeat them yeah i think it's mostly because it's not it was gen- generally the revolt completely came out of reaction right it was uh, as you said it was localized there was no pre planning done to this yeah. right nobody uh, in separate princely states decided that okay we will join as one and we'll have this tactic to defeat the british just because somewhere it started the others also followed right that is how it happened but i think this is the that failure is what made indians realize that how to go about it the next time you know how to run, unite the country as one and that is the only way to beat the defeat yeah that's defeat the british yeah right. the the failure is what led indians to you know think about india being india mm-hmm. you know and yeah that's another reason like there was no common goal amongst all these um, mutineers they each had like different goals like nana saheb had some issue rani yeah, lakshmi exactly. had exactly and i think thing. i think the goals were Uh, restricted by their uh, small princely st- i mean the, the the geography as well right they didn't want to what want the entire india to be free yeah. they wanted that specific area to be free of british i know because i think the scope of independence was restricted to these states yeah yeah because if you look at it the the whole of the conflict was like concentrated in central like north india there mm. was nothing happening in south india and i think one of the reasons for that is i was just thinking through when you were uh, <clears throat> when we were discussing this right the reason that most of the south india was little more peaceful is because if you look at south indian uh, states let's say travancore for example right they were in good relationship with the british and they were appeasing the british and british was like they were reporting to the british crown actually even the travancore royal family were reporting to the british british crown so they were openly accepting britain as their uh, or british crown as their uh, sovereign mm. so that is the reason so british had no issues there and these people in travancore uh, they had their own maharaja or maharani whoever is ruling the state people were having peaceful lives not strictly peaceful life there are stories there as well but then british were not directly influencing there because yeah. they knew that they can indirectly control everything so i think might be one of the reasons yeah, that yeah that know, is one of the reasons and another reason is that even though a lot of indians princely states were fighting against them there were like a lot of other states which was actually helping the britishers including yeah. sindhia of gwalior where most of the fighting was happening mm-hmm. then the nizam of hyderabad yeah i think then uh, you know the holkar of indore nawab of bhopal Raja of Jodhpur, rulers of Kashmir, Patiala, and Sindh, and also the Rana of Nepal—they hmm. were all actively supporting the Britishers. Well, uh, that is where the thing is, right? That there was no unity. In fact, some of the people who were fighting against the British, some of them were just—you know—they were just concerned about their existence. So they, so they knew that Britishers are a bigger power. So the only way to exist or to, you know, uh, to live is to be on the winning side. Yeah, that, that is the reason that they were supporting them. Yeah, so the impact of the revolt was that it led to a Queen's proclamation uh, in November of uh, 1858, where she announced that the policy of British government will be followed uh, in India. So effectively taking away away the power of the British East India Company. She also abolished territorial extension. They said that you know they won't try to annex 
more places but yeah, yeah. there are like lot of these like that <laughs> aged really badly <laughs> yeah yeah i'll let i'll finish this and i'll tell you what exactly <laughs> happened so and the native rulers were assured of their title land and rights and honor if they cooper- cooperated with uh, the britishers then the rulers right to adopt a child in the case of the absence of a natural heir was accepted this is exactly what was happening in travancore okay yeah. okay so i mean i don't know if i've said this earlier in this podcast so i'm reading this book you have the ivory <laughs> throne say it again so that i can put that fleet link <laughs> yeah, so i'm i'm reading this book ivory throne by manu pillai amazing book and that is where i'm getting these insights from so yeah that is what ha- what was happening in travancore all the royal family was retaining their titles and stuff uh, british government was just overseeing things um, these people were you know essentially ruling the kingdom yeah then the britishers they strengthened their policy of divide and rule actively they pursued it to keep the hindus and muslims separated and it actually led to a lot of communal and racial uh, gap in india like communal in the sense hindus and muslims they didn't like each other then there was this racial bias where uh, the britishers because of in- the skin color of indians they were t- treated in, in, you know uh, as inferiors it still continued and on january 1st of 1877 almost like 20 years later queen victoria was proclaimed the empress of india and the administration was transferred to the british crown from the british east india company effectively ending any traces of the company mm-hmm. after almost 277 years so what did they do with all the employees they became british government yeah yeah that that's what must have happened right so lot less corruption but still a lot of plundering mm. then uh, india was to be administered by a secretary of state who is in britain and his 15 member council through the viceroy viceroy who will be in yeah. uh, india so the governor general became the viceroy so it was just a change of name and they strengthened the army uh, to assert control over india so that uh, such kind of revolts won't happen in the future so these were the impacts and some of the things uh, that people say like historians and you know whoever studies uh, the revolt of 1857 says is that it is mostly said to be a revolt of the sepoys like they were the ones who organized at first and you know fought against the british and the commoners didn't have much of a say in this they were just living their life getting killed affected by famines because even before that even before the nawabs and the sepoys were affected they were literally you know suffering for a long time and i think the working i mean working class when i say working class the farmers and the lower caste members of the society they had an extremely tough life during those days right although we speak highly about indian culture and everything there is a lot of dirt under the carpet which we never speak about yeah through that the way we treated all those yeah. lower caste people at that time yeah yeah see the sepoys why they took so much time to revolt against the british is that because they had a job they used to get paid so they had nothing much to like say about the rule but then this immediate cause the enfield rifle it's called enfield rifle mm. you know that rifle is it by the same company that is making the motorcycle i don't know about that but i'm pretty sure the enfield bullet by gartis the inspiration for its name came from the enfield rifle yeah, it could be the same company yeah, enfield the bullet yeah yeah mm-hmm. many historians describe uh, the revolt as the first war of independence then uh, the battle showed that how bitterly discontent the indians were with right. the british rule then it also even though they were using divide and rule it created a new bond between the hindus and muslims for their common cause of you know throwing the british out of india 
even the marxist even karl marx uh, when the britishers they they started this propaganda saying that you know the indian rebels they raped a lot of mm. british women and kids from the age of 10 and all that so karl marx he came and said that this is all propaganda mm. like some clergyman in bangalore is just typing it and sending it off and a clergyman in bangalore <laughs> yeah bangalore yes so what he uh, what the marxist people uh, thought about this revolt was that it was considered as a soldier peasant struggle against feudal bondage mm. so even the marxist people who are in russia had something to say, say about this right. so that's the kind of impact this revolt made all across the world and it led to a new movement which resulted in our independence 90 years later yes it took some time i mean there are good reasons as well yeah so that's it for this episode anything to add nothing much to add uh, yeah. yeah that's all i mean um, i feel that uh, yeah we are covering a lot of things here so yeah we would love to hear back you know what you think about these episodes uh, you can comment anywhere like cashbox yeah we do even... feel like you guys are not listening to whatever <laughs> you're putting out so please please <laughs> <laughs> see we don't have any friends we consider you all as friends so 